it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were laying on the horn while driving, let me say it again. Are you a race car driver? Because if you are, you're in the wrong car and you took a wrong turn off the track a while ago. And all those cars you're trying to pass all save money with Progressive Snapshot, while you probably don't. So who's really winning? <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Welcome back into another edition of The Kickabout here on The Blue Room. I am your co-host, Rob Vera, joined by my other co-host, Mark Mosey. And our third this week is the always lovely, always got her hair tied back in a bun, gorgeous uh, Kate Riley James, who makes it a point every time we get on one of these recordings to for some reason, apologize about how she looks, which I don't understand. Like, you understand this is an audio medium, Kate. Like, you need to really play into the illusion that you're just you're just keeping it hot twenty four seven. And you know, but 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 the the constant apology. I mean, look, you're you're with two feminist men here. You don't have to apologize. I, mean, I know for how you, you guys are fully schooled as well. Thank you for having me yeah. back. As you can see, I've made absolutely zero efforts whatsoever <laughs> this evening. I've been painting. I've been in the park all day with the kids. I've been painting some community signs, going to community garden for some random judging thing tomorrow that I got involved in. I'm literally sat covered in paint, but I've got a glass of wine, so everything's fine. Um, yeah. That's always the common denominators, Kate. Yeah, no matter what. She's gonna have booze with her. Oh yeah. So that's 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 a virtue, sweetheart. <laughs> I really appreciate today. that. <laughs> Mark, uh, you commented before. Um, so just to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit, because I know you guys love stuff like this, but last uh kickabout with my with Mark and Adam, um I, I mean we, I think I don't know, Mark, I don't know if you noticed it, but I feel like we got some really good feedback from that. You know, I mean we get we get decent feedback for a you know a third tier blue room show or whatever we're considered at this point. But I do think that um 
I do think a big part of that was Mark is an incredibly, I think Mark is, is really kind of finding his niche as the number 10 of this thing. You know Um, I think he is (laughs) like, he's very good at being a host. I mean, it's a little, it sounds a little too prepared. Like he actually worked on it a little bit, but um, which, you know, I'm thoroughly against normally, but it was such a good show. I asked Mark if he wanted to kind of lead things off today and sort of drive the, the bus and he just he just was like oh, I've got I've got nothing left <laughs> after today. Mark, tell me about tell me about uh, your day down in the uh, the salt mines that is the the pharmacy world, buddy. Oh, fucking hell, mate! <laughs> fucking <laughs> just relentless. Uh, first of all, I should I should definitely mention you've just reminded me of Snooker from last week, uh, which has. Has in all of the, the dark moments of the week, Rob, kept me going. Like, if you if you could Did just you hear that Kate Snooker last week, just just audio clip me random words now and again, just just to keep me a little bit buoyant. Um, but yeah. I'm too scared yeah. to ask. I've not listened to this yet. So, so <laughs> well, you know what, Mark? Here's an experiment. Mark, here's an experiment. Kate, if I said, if I used the word snooker, what would you think that I was talking about? Oh, do you know, between you, Mosey, and Adam, probably something mildly inappropriate. Yeah, it is. No, it's, well, first of all, I'm offended by that. Uh, (laughs) Weird. I go to great fucking links to be, you know, really nice on this show. So, you know, whatever. Uh, And classy. Uh, No, but no, no, no. But if I, you know how I mispronounce words, right? So if I, and I apparently butchered oh. this word that I did not know I'd butchered. What, what, if I said snooker, what do you think that I'm talking about? It made about? me think of snooker, first off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed you got that. Oh, Rob. <laughs> oh, Rob. It looks like snooker. I don't, you know, I don't know what you people want. You know, I mean, you know, we, look. Oh, first oh, of all, oh. I just want to tell the majority of the listeners to this pod that, A, you're welcome for having America, you know, actually get your language right. And B, snooker is, now I'm, I'm obviously 80% kidding. But, but, but snooker, I still don't think I can say it without, like, Mark can see my face <laughs> when I try to pronounce it correctly. Snooker. Like, I have to, like, there's this little crinkle in my nose and my eyebrows when I try to say snooker. Uh, snooker. <laughs> like I'm asking a question. How, how painful that is for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> now, can I ask this too, Mark? Because we didn't have a chance to get into it last week when you guys were belittling, belittling me about it. But is snook snooker? Is that right? Snooker nailed it. Okay, is snooker the one where you have like the little things in the middle of the table? That like the the that you have to kind of avoid, or is it just straight up pool like a pool table only longer or something like that? Yeah, I I do know what you mean. Those, those kind of bumpers in the middle of a table. I I have That's no idea. That's another game. What like posh I, I pinball? Have, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I have it, no idea what that game is. No. But Mark yeah. knows what I'm talking about. There. It, okay, for anyone listening, if you guys know what the billiards <laughs> sneaker. <laughs> game with the bumpers in the middle of the table are please let me know there like there's a game there's a name for it um well okay so here's the other question kate maybe you know this um is snook do you guys like is there just regular pool like we call it pool or billiards the fancy word if you want to be fancy is that different than snooker yes how 
It's more complicated and it's more difficult. Than snooker? No, other way around. Or snooker, snooker is more complicated. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, okay. This, this, this is all getting very <laughs> in Rob the cricket laws. Oh, uh, but, and like scoring oh. in tennis, I, I feel like I feel like is that is that something that you're okay with scoring in tennis, or is that just another minefield? No, no, okay, so tennis, I, I get tennis. Okay, tennis clearly decided that like you know, sort of like cricket, like you know, we're going to have a somewhat logical scoring system, but we're going to throw in the fun and complete lack of logic of that scoring system that cricket sort of ha- like we're going to throw in the weird vocabulary of, of cricket right now with, I understand, like, I know what deuce means giggle. I know what, uh, you know, I know that it goes like, you don't say zero, it's love. And then it's 15 and then it's 30. And for some reason, instead of 45, ha fucker, it's not 45, it's 40. <laughs> For no reason whatsoever is it 40, <laughs> 45, like, is it 45? Like it should be four, it should be 45 and it's 40. And, and as a kid that self-destructed my brain for a bit, but I, I picked up on it because, you know, I watched Wimbledon in the summer, like, you know, most kids did or not most kids, but I, you know, I, it was on TV. You know why? Because during the summertime when my mom would normally be watching soap operas during the day, cause she was a school teacher and she had that time off. Wimbledon would take over and be on instead. So that's how I learned about the tennis scoring system. Cr- cricket is just, I think cricket is a, pra- it's an insider practical joke on people like me. <laughs> like, I think you guys are making up the scoring and the rules and the, the, the terminology as you go along. Like, there was some word I heard the other day about cricket that I just, a new, a duck. Someone referred to the term duck. Yeah. yeah. Or golden duck. I'd never heard of that before. What's a what's duck? When you bowled out, right? Without with yeah. no runs, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a, a golden duck just to totally blow your mind a little bit further is, is the the fir, the fir, so a batsman's first ball where obviously he's not scored any runs yet yeah. and gets out on that ball. The thing is, Rob, all you need to do, right, when you go to the cricket, you're actually given, like, flyers, if you like, that have got, like, four and six on them. Because that's, like, the the crowd getting involved. And, like, for the first, depends whether you go for a test match, I suppose, but for the first few hours, you know, you get involved and you hold them up. And then when you're absolutely shit-faced, you rip them up into tiny bits and everyone does the Mexican wave and you just throw them up. That's all you need to know. (laughs) That's it. I was going to say, when, when you also go to cricket, you are also given a pint of beer, oh, yeah. followed by 45 other pints of beer. Um, so that, that as much as you talk about being sporting purists and yeah. traditionalists, Rob, the, the reason that 95% of cricket fans go to watch cricket is for an almighty drinking session. Mm-hmm. And I know you'll find that yeah. really difficult to believe over here because you've seen what connoisseurs of, of fine alcohol we are, but... It, it is quite simply a binge. Um, to go back to our original topic, bumper pool is different to snooker. I've never even heard of bumper okay. pool. It's called bumper pool. So I have no idea what bumper pool is, but I would say cricket is cricket is similar. Uh, excuse me, snooker is similar to cricket in terms of it's probably it's got quite a quite a traditionalist feel. Um, it's it's probably one of those sports that most. Most sports fans over here think needs some form of injection of actual excitement. Um, so, Rob, a snooker table will have 
15, I want to say, red balls, um, followed by a yellow, green, brown, blue, pink, black. So if you've ever seen that set up, that is snooker, my friend. Um, Marty going into a coma. Do they have numbers on them, like, no, like, no. like pool balls? No, no. We, um, we've got this thing over here where we can just know and, and memorize <laughs> things. Association. Yeah. Well, how do you memorize something if they're all red balls with because no number on because them? Because they all know. score the same, right? So all the reds <laughs> are worth a value, but the other colors are oh. worth a different value. Like I don't know what any of those and values 30, are. 37.5 <laughs> and then 42.3. 19 3. degrees okay. for the green. <laughs> no one knows. Can I ask a booth? I want to ask a booze question because I've meant to get into this topic because someone, because Mark, you mentioned this before about cricket. Like, obviously, the American cousin of a relative of cricket is baseball. Yeah, okay, yeah. we have batting and innings, but it's it literally it literally uses much more straightforward set of rules, and and it doesn't go on for ten hours at a time or whatever. Uh, even though it does go on quite a while sometimes, but. Um, one of the true traditions of baseball, like you don't even have to love baseball. You just want to, if you enjoy being on a, you know, at a day out with a beer in your hand, then it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible. So here's my question. When you go to cricket matches over there, can you have beer in the stands a, and then B if you can have beer in the stands at cricket, why is it such a faux pas to have food and drink in the stands at Goodison or any any football game, like wh why is that a thing? I don't understand. It that. is a bit weird. I've like I've always wanted to do like a big international rugby game as well, just for that because mm -hmm. like it, at times, and it's probably has been like finals or whatever. Cameras will zoom in on people with bottles of prosecco and stuff, and like actual champagne flutes. I was like, they're ripping each other's ears off. How is this more refined than us just going in the main stand at Goodison? I'd drink prosecco at Goodison. It would seem a bit weird, yeah. and, and it would probably be in plastic glass. But we are so much angrier, though, aren't we? But, well, yeah. <laughs> is that, but is that the reason, Mark? Like, why, why yeah. cricket but not football? Is my question, mm. my main question. I mean, we, we've gotten we've gotten this far without, to my knowledge, <laughs> lashing a pint of beer at a fielder. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I imagine that would probably happen. If say, for example, Rob, if on Friday is the first game, we were to say next year you can have a pint in the stand, you can have a bottle of beer in the stand, whatever. I I don't reckon we'd get through two weekends of Premier League football without a pint of beer being lashed yeah, at a player. That that is mm. that is just mm. this weird aggressive tribalism that sport uh, that football like excuse me. Has, has taken on over and above other sports, and that, that 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 is quite simply how it is. And I know that it shouldn't be like that. And I'm right. trying to think of trying to think of other countries on the continent. But I think I'm taking Germany for example because they just have beer with everything. I'm I'm pretty sure you're allowed to have a drink in the stands there. Um, but yeah, we 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 quite quite simply just cannot be trusted. Um, to, to, to go back, you guys have beer with everything. I've literally never encountered a culture of people who love to drink as much as you people do, and, it, and that's why it shocks me. Uh, granted, I haven't been to Ireland yet, and I know in Scotland, but I know that that will be a yeah. cultural yeah. experience from a booze perspective as well. But I. I just don't understand why the line got drawn there. Like, okay, so for instance, 
at a lot of sporting events here, you can have a beer, but it's everything is served in like a you know it's a plastic cup. Just but that's the same at Goodison when you when you go down uh, you know into the concourse and, and grab a beer. But I was thinking too that the difference, of course, is that when you're talking about coat like all the whatever measures that they're going to theoretically take to kind of avoid people bunching up too much i mean once you've let people back in you've let people back in and all i'm imagining for those of you who've been to goodison and most of you i think most of you listen to this are but i know there's a lot of americans who haven't um when, or, or non-americans or whomever has not been to goodison but it's an old stadium and every you know even every everything is a little bit more compact there right and so when you're down in the concourse areas getting you know getting a beer getting something you literally it's a sprint at halftime yeah. to get down there get a beer and then everyone is hunched up ass to elbows you're scrunched up like this and you're just drink and it, and i'm just thinking to myself that's that feels like a just a COVID nightmare. You've just uh, described but, so the best everyone, part of the game for me. <laughs> I, I know. Look, I I don't necessarily mind it because yeah. I do sort of oddly enjoy the tradition of everyone forcing themselves down uh, into the you know down the steps and to, to get a beer at halftime and trying to chug it because you know that it's much safer clearly to have people binge drinking as fast as possible <laughs> in close quarters uh, than it is to allow them to leisurely bring that beer with them up to the stands like I think you overestimate like as much as there's this talk this idea of them throwing a beer at a player I'm like I don't know how many people in a plastic cup or what have you are going to be able to, that are really going to have the arm strength to really get it, get it too far. Listen, and besides, I wouldn't want to incur the wrath of, of some, of some security guy who's going to, you know, put my head in the mud or something yeah, like that. It, it won't either, that. Like we, this is how much we can't be trusted. It won't necessarily be a player who's actually made the squad. This will just be if a Wobie's on the bench come the weekend. You know, that's just, that's just a challenge. And also, half time oh, as well. I, I appreciate that I'm in the minority. But what what the things I will do for a hot dog at Goodison at half time? Talk about elbows out and getting straight down those two flights of stairs. That's what it's. And I don't even have the to chug it. I can take it back to my seat. It's all good. Yeah, the the, the work, but by the way, Mark. Uh, I think I've mentioned to you worst hot dog I've ever had was at Goodison. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm telling you, and I and by the way, don't it's not a blight on all the food because the cheese and onion pie was the literally the very very first thing I ever had at Goodison. Loved it. <laughs> I know it was microwaved and I could taste the plastic burning a hole MSG. in my soul. MSG. Didn't care, <laughs> but that hot dog dude was a crime against him. Oh, it's so good. Mark, go ahead. Not, not for me to take this show down the Master Chef ruse, but the the outrageous sausage to bun ratio of those hot dogs <laughs> is. Not to be ignored. If, if we are, if we are to take Bramley more seriously and and really progress this football club into one of Europe's elite, we need either more bread or to just settle on a smaller sausage. And they're the important mm. facts that that need to be ironed out before any stadium move can take That's place. That's where I draw the line, and, mate. I'm sorry, I'm not willing to settle. See, I'm okay with. Me, I'm trying actively post-COVID after I've gained a little weight to cut down on my carbs. So give me the more meat and less bread and, and what have best you. best conversation but, yeah. we've had about potential food <laughs> options at Bramley Moor Dock has got to have been with Matt Jones, who suggested that we should have cheese boards. An array of cheese should be available. Oh, my God. He is such a Fulham <laughs> fan. It is ridiculous. Like, I swear to God. 
That—that—that's how. Are you sure that wasn't Patty Boylan? Because that is some Tory. <laughs> that is some living Tory. Uh, what are you talking uh, about? Was it? Was it at Villa or somewhere that they've got? They've got something that just—that's just not your usual. You know, like blokes going the match fast food shit. I think he was talking about was it at Villa or somewhere. He'll probably listen to this and pull me up on it anyway. But yeah, and he was just like, oh, you know, imagine it though. <laughs> I was just like. Cheese, Matt. Really? <laughs> well, but not just cheese. A cheese board. <laughs> That's charcuterie, okay? Like I'm thinking charcuterie yeah. with the cheese and the meat and what have you. And like, is he going to put his little dainty gloves on while he eats it and you know nibbles on it and, and you know sloshes out with water and then weighs in on it and everything? You know? talking, talking about going down for, for like a pint or something at half time. I, I reckon for for regular match day goers over years, there's there's a there's a few. There's a few kind of weird niche things that happen in a game that might kind of just make it a little bit more magical and become subtly part of your routine. And I, I always think things that really incite emotion in me, uh, like when a player goes down for a penalty for the opposition team and you're just waiting for the referee to blow his whistle, if you could mm-hmm. just bottle that moment. Another one is is like the, the noise when all the seats go up in the Gladys yeah, Street when we yeah. forward. When we talk about all these things that you'll you'll miss from from the current ground, the other one that always really sticks with me, and as soon as it happens, you know what's going to happen in the next ten seconds. And it's if a player goes down injured and the physio comes on on around about thirty eight mm. or thirty nine minutes, because as soon as the referee signals to the sideline to get the physio on. I reckon about 30,000 seats go up <laughs> and every single person dives down on the ground for a pint. And it's, it's just knowing. I It's often playing this mental game on like 34 minutes when someone goes down engine and you think, is this too early or are they going to go? Oh, yeah. And then the it's ball so- don't go out of play for like 10 minutes and you're like, oh, fuck, someone... Someone's going to have to make a movie just to let everyone else know. That it's time. <laughs> well, I think when you're a visitor like me, um, you're you're so hesitant to miss any of the yeah. live action, right? Whereas if you're if you if you're local and you're a season ticket holder, you're there all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen all this shit so many times, and you know it's Everton. I mean, what's <laughs> nothing good can happen by you waiting to get in that line? And I understand all that, but. Um, I, I wonder how many of those things will still mm. carry over to the new stadium yeah. because it's sort of like how like there's an old expression that a, a church isn't a building, it's the people mm. in it or whatever. I'm just using that loosely. Like I, I feel Goodison is that way in that if you take over the same like uh you know, completely traumatized <laughs> uh PTSD ridden uh, souls that have been in that and in Goodison all those years and put them in a new stadium. They're still going to have a lot of the same reactions to mm. things, but I, who knows? It'll be an interesting experiment. The best thing that can possibly happen with Bramley Moore is that we adopt a more NFL fan base approach and we turn up at the park and ride or outside Bramley Moore eight hours ahead of the game with a barbecue, okay. your nan and granddad. Yeah. Shit ton of food, mates, umbrella, like what's it called? Parasol thing, you know, sun umbrella thing, living your best what? life in the absolute pissing driving rain on the waterfront. That's what I'm yes. talking about. The best thing about American football, oh. there's no question, is that we treat those games because, well, part of it, you know what, Kate? Part of that is because 
we only have in the regular season, and they're expanding it this year to 17, but we only have 16, normally 16 regular season games. And in college football, it's usually like 12 or 13 maybe. And so it becomes, especially these more traditional grounds like this, it's an event and you only, and by the way, if there are only 16 games, there's only eight home games, right? Yeah, or, and, and so, so really everyone makes a big, big deal it. out of it. And that includes just showing up early. If you have a, a, a 1 PM or a noon kickoff here, then you're, you're eating bar, you're <laughs> barbecuing at eight in the morning and <laughs> yeah. drinking at eight in the morning and no one even cares. It's like, it's like being in the airport. It's, it's no real. It's, uh, it's five thirty in the morning. Uh, pizza, you bet. You know, like, I, mean, I would be willing uh, to sacrifice half of the season if it meant that it felt like it was like a massive yeah. event like that. Oh, it'd be so good. I, I, I would sacrifice eighteen home games <laughs> if it we had one really interesting playoffs, which is all we really live for every season. But yeah, oh, yeah, touch on what you said, Rob, about you know coming over and, and visiting the sport and having a having a slightly different approach to, to what the in inverted commas regulars would do. So we we came over to Florida a few years ago and went to uh, watch uh, Tampa Bay Rays play the Yankees. Oh, uh, the worst stadium in all of Major League Baseball. Yes. <laughs> Stadium. Uh, they they were at the time also the worst team. I'm, I'm reliably informed oh, that they're not now. Uh, they're now one of the best. Yes. There you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they bounce back and forth every few years. Yeah. Good timing. Um, so yeah, we we were kind of close to the stadium, but really, you know, clock watching about how late we were going to be trying to get into the ground. Ended up, you know, lashing the car outside somewhere, running to the turnstile. Probably got there at the top of the second innings thinking Mm -hmm. oh my god we've missed everything and when we went into the concourse it's just like there's just a sea of people buying merchandise getting appropriately ratioed hot dogs (laughs) appropriately ratioed hot dogs the the actual the actual (laughs) we've got our shirt title by the way the 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 sport couldn't have been any less relevant to people that is as much as you do need that balance I think the the American way of ingesting sport is just amazing because it's it's not a total disregard for the sport and elements. I think I think as much as people like to to think that, but the the are they fair? The yeah, what there is an absolute total commitment to making it a socially enjoyable experience. Yeah, we don't really have that. We. We kind of have to manufacture that ourselves by going into Liverpool City Centre or doing something that is not based at the stadium. It's not organised by the club um, because that is quite simply just not how we do things over here. But it will be interesting to see as places like Bramley Moor and, and other stadiums crop up. And I know Tottenham try to do this a little bit as well in that do they make it a more holistic experience of, of a match day? Because... We've said this for years and years, and it's been highlighted at multiple stages of the the stadium consultation, is that if you offer nice food, nice drink, I don't know, comfortable areas to sit, whatever it may be, go go and watch the early game before Everton play. People will indulge in what the club has to offer. Um, yeah. Quite frankly, the offerings elsewhere are, are always so much better, so that I, I know that I mean this is stressing me out from a from a season ticket point of view leading up to Saturday, but the, I, I would say that most Do you even have a ticket yet, Mark? Are you one of the the lucky few? <laughs> <laughs> so I would I would say that the the average Everton fan experience 
having been to a few seasons worth of football is you probably rock up anywhere between quarter to three and three o'clock, watch the game. And if you're lucky, you're still going to be there at five because if not, you've already started making that trudge back to the ship and my right. Because that, right. that's just your defined two hours of misery for your weekend. But yeah, I'm not going to lie, Rob. I, I put full investment into Everton rolling out an electronic season ticket program this year and <laughs> I currently record at 8pm on, on Wednesday evening to say I, mean, I am nervous is an understatement yeah that, that's been all over my timeline today is people who for what for whatever reason thought that look I want to get this out there again guys it's, it's almost like the way I talk about Coleman I like him as a person I just don't really rate him as a player much anymore I love Everton as a community I love Everton as a force for good but this is the same club that they sucker people every season into giving them money so they can watch preseason game stream match streams that never work and you thought that their electronic ticketing system which was brand new was going to just be you know go off without a hitch like it's Come on, Everton are just there are certain things they're not great at. And what's 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 ironic about that is that I would also generally say that the uh, Everton fan services are a collection of some of the nicest, yeah. most hardworking people. I mean it. If especially if you are are uh, someone coming from out of the out of the country, let them know you're coming. They they go bend over backwards, but. You sometimes when it, when you're dealing with these electronic electronic things, these technical things, it's just, uh, you just know, like the the most sensible thing here is just to hold your hands up and say everyone needs to come and get a printed ticket. You know what? It's a it's a fuck up, but that that needs to happen so that you all get in properly. But I I totally get on board with why that is the last thing that they want to do, uh, and stuff like this must just yeah. be an absolute nightmare to sort out but luckily twitter is dead patient so it should all be fine <laughs> well they want no contact for everything they've i know right but they want no contact for everything is what i heard this weekend is that yeah. they no cash right like cards for no touch transactions for everything yeah that's going to be a shit show too because you know look i, I think when you can hand over like whatever fiber or whatever for a beer versus I'm going to scan the card. And now hopefully they, they can speed that up and it's not too bad, but look, there, there'll be some kinks to work out. I'm, I'm sure. But I, you know, as, as someone who, I think the last thing I'll say about these sort of stadium experiences is that when you can find the balance between like a really cool historical ground, but one that also does some of those other things really well, like I think that that yeah. can be very cool, but um, it'll be interesting to see how Bramley Moore does it. Um, I'm going to tease this now because I don't, I, it's not totally hundred percent confirmed, but uh, next month, uh, I will be, I'm taking my first trip, a uh, business trip, and I, and I don't know how long I'm going up to my my home office in Boston. And I apparently am going to get to go to my very first Red Sox oh, game at Fenway head. Park, which is, Fenway is the closest to me. Fenway or maybe Wrigley are the closest approximations to Goodison Park here in America. I can't wait. Um, it's the, the seats are narrow and the concourses are uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, this is the closest to an Everton game. I'll probably get <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but no, I look, I, I think, I think, um, I think what's interesting, Mark, is what you bring up, like, it'll be really fascinating. And, and Kate, what you said about like the, like an NFL style experience, it, it will be interesting to see what the club do to keep that balance between mm-hmm. keeping things kind of authentic and not overly 
slick and commercialized while still providing fans with more incentive to, you know, frankly, spend their money at, at the game, but also to do so in, in a way that that encourages congregation and community before and after the match, you know, I, and, and I know that that's not the culture, too, because like the first time I went to Goodison, uh, I was, it, oh, God, what, where were we, Mark, having Guinnesses before the game, you, me, and Matt, and my brother, uh, before the United game, and like, we go to the it was on New Year's Day. It was on New Year's Day, like it was my very first oh, wow. game. I, the Brick. Oh yeah, we were at the Brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> and I just remember feeling so nervous of looking at my watch, like, yeah, are we gonna go? Like, <laughs> Matt is gonna start in like ten minutes, and they're ordering new. They're ordering another round, and I'm just like, okay. I, they they assured me. Matt just kept looking at me and assuring me it would be fine. And I was just like, all right. So anyway, um, okay. Um, now that we've talked about all that, guys, I do want to talk about the season a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said before, I, I don't really have I don't really have the desire to go into a hardcore football discussion and positional analysis or any of those things that will remind us of uh, how little has changed with the squad in general <laughs> over the last few months. Um, but I don't also want to go super negative, right? I, I, I like to leave the most negative version of myself on Twitter, if at all possible, because I like people arguing with me about why I'm not more enthusiastic about the side and all that. But um, all, all joking aside, like, I look, let's let's be frank. And, and this is at least how I feel. And I'm really curious as to how you guys feel, too. Um, I can't remember a time or I'm sorry, I can remember a time, but it's been a while where so much of the fan base, it feels like, and again, I, my barometer for this comes from my interactions with you guys on the pod, what I listen to from you guys. And then obviously um, interactions on social media. Um, there's all, there's always a joke out there about how Everton Facebook is a completely different universe than Everton <laughs> Twitter. But uh, all that aside, I cannot, it's been a while since we've gone into a season with this level of, you can call it negativity, but I almost feel like it's a, and some even refer to it as apathy, but I think I would probably characterize it almost as resignation that we're probably going to be just about a mid table side. I don't think anyone, I have not heard anyone with a straight face other than the most optimistic blues talk about Europe. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Everton, look, Everton are taking this Brexit means Brexit shit seriously, you know, I mean, clearly based on the results of the last few seasons, but I, I just, you know, like, I think my, my basic idea, even before Carlo was sacked and at the end of that season, as disappointing as it was, was just that, okay, the good thing, if we can find a silver lining in all of this, and Mark, you and I talked about this quite a bit, is that it's not like we're unsure about what the problems are, right? We know exactly what we need. There's a complete imbalance on the pitch. You need more more production from the right-hand side. That means a new right-back, a new right-sided attacker. And, hey, if you want to get crazy with it, let's also bring in another creative force in midfield because um, – you know, Hamas, uh, as much as you like him, is not someone is who's going to be – he's just not shown consistently over the last several years of his career that he's going to be fit for extended periods of time. Um, <laughs> uh, there's someone else who we can't – I guess we're not even – I don't even know if we're allowed to say his name, but uh, he probably won't be around for a while. Uh, and he is – all I can tell you about is he's a player for Everton. So, um, 
you know, like they're all there. There are these basic things there. But to me, it was get a right back, get a right sided attacker in. Um, hopefully you get through the summer in Copa America and the Euros without any injuries. We did that. Uh, Luca Dean came back fine. Yari Mina came back fine. Calvert Lewin by, you know, he's got a toe thing, but it doesn't seem serious. So feel it. You know, I thought you just add and fill basic holes. I wasn't even thinking like we got to go out and spend a hundred million or anything crazy like that. I just thought go buy like a 20 million pound right back and buy like a 15, 20 million pound like wing player. And then let's just go for it and see if, see if, uh, you know, a more competent man, and, and, you know, a more competent management style uh, would, would carry us through. Well, we haven't invested much in the squad. I, I, I do like, what I've seen from Damari Gray and Andres Townsend, but they're squad players. They're not, they weren't brought here, at least in theory. Even Andres Townsend in his first interview was told, and he said it to the interviewer. They've told me that I'm not really here to start most games, but I'm going to try to prove them wrong. Well, guess what? I think he's going to be starting quite a few games given what we, what we have not done in the window. And I am, again, I'm aware of, and this is the other layer to it, it may not be FFP, but it may be the Premier League specific financial rules that whatever mostly apply to teams seven through twenty in the league. Uh, <laughs> it just does, and so we're in this position where I've I you know how I love the transfer window. I've almost given up every day getting up and looking at Twitter and looking at yeah. looking for news yeah. because. Until we sell players, like it's become more stark than ever. And I read Patty and uh, Greg's piece in The Athletic today. Like basically it's just pretty black and white. We we may have money, but we can't spend the money we have um, And until we sell players. And it feels very much like until I read something substantive about us selling anyone, there's no point in even investing a, a, a micro a micro cell of my being into uh, you know, a rumor about an incoming player. Like I don't want to hear about Denzel Dumfries or, or Dwight McNeil or any of these names that, that you occasionally hear. I mean, I keep hearing about the, the guy from Newcastle, the Longstaff, from Sean Longstaff from, I think it's Sean Longstaff or aren't there two Longstaff? Yeah. Yeah. They're both weird looking dudes, but either way, I think that I think that I just don't have it in to invest in any incoming rumors until we get guys sold. And so it leaves me overall to where we started with this kind of like, well, you know, we're going to be kind of a mid-table mediocre team, but maybe we can just, you know, win the games at home we should and maybe it'll just they, you know, maybe if they don't embarrass us much and maybe if they <laughs> decide to take a siege mentality it could be one of those types of seasons but yeah. i'm grasping at straws here i'm not abject and negative i'm just not really that excited yeah. um i'll start with you like what i want to take your temperature here how do you how do you feel you're usually relatively optimistic mm-hmm. too but i mean how do you feel about everton going into the season oh, I, have, in I have full-on transfer ambivalence i'm like i'm i'm just knackered with it and you know why because as much as as we, ha- it's kind of like Christmas when you're a kid, right? Everybody in the UK who was born early eighties, let's say, wanted a Mister Frosty, and you know why? Because it was fucking magical. That's why, right? And hardly anybody got it. I don't know how it sold out everywhere because it seems like nobody I know got it. 
and, and you know what's a mr frost it's like it made oh, kind of yeah. like it looked like a snowman it was like a um and you got like and um, you'd put like crushed ice and stuff in it right you put ice in it oh the little snow cone maker it, right thing. yeah so and it would make yes. a snow cone oh my god how quick are you were googling yeah. oh, wow. Rosie, jesus <laughs> know, right awesome. everybody wanted it and you would maybe maybe you get like a bit of a cut price version maybe you get something else that was awesome maybe you get something else that was genuinely mediocre because the 80s were fucking hard man right but it wasn't quite the magic and i'm at the point now where every transfer i'm like yeah we can totally do this and like you said i'm usually ridiculously overly optimistic about everything going sweet we're getting messy yeah. awesome that'll do for me you know and i was happy <laughs> but realistically i'm just i'm so knackered with it and the ongoing discourse of backwards and forwards on Twitter, well, of Everton fan base Twitter, I am so done. And I'm genuinely, having gone in all guns blazing because of Carlo last year, I was like, we're going to win the league. It's going to be awesome. You know, this is the magic. Carlo was the magic for me. Unfortunately, he was also the magic for lots of other people in a different country, and off he went. Um, I just don't think our stock is good enough or we've done good enough PR about our stock to offload what we need to to bring in the magic. It's just, I just don't think it's going to happen now. Yeah. Kate, I want to stop you right there. Cause I want to, you said something there that really caught my attention. Um, I was I've said this to a few people, but it's amazing. When you talk about kind of the PR, the image, the, the, the things that clubs have to do to sort of make their own players mm-hmm. seem attractive even if it's for PR purposes for your own fan base, it does have a kick on effect to, mm-hmm. you know, other teams being interested in them or what have you. I, I don't know that that's a hundred percent of the issue, but I've, I've, I've openly asked the question, can you imagine another, what you would characterize big club sending a young um, talented striker out to the large, one of the largest, richest clubs mm-hmm. in all of Europe and he goes there and he succeeds and he scores. Mm-hmm. Who else would have a hard time selling him but us? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I know that that seems, uh, people will roll their eyes. I'm like, I, I just feel like if this is, if this is the, the, the neighbors across the park, if this <laughs> is Arsenal, if this is anyone else just trying to offload this guy who just scored a bunch of goals for fucking, par- yeah. you know, PSG, like the, now, granted, there's two sides to all these stories. Maybe it's Keane's intransigence about not wanting to go anywhere but PSG that's you know killed his market. But it just feels like another chapter in you know in the long history of Everton's inability to offload play. Like I understand when you can't offload one knee chink Tosin. Okay, I I get that. He's 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 you know. <laughs> His his hair transplant is the most you know the most uh, <laughs> successful medical miracle that that he's encountered. But it's it's uh, and and don't even get me started on Andros Townsend. My God, that hair transplant is amazing. That's the best. That's 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 like a polio vaccine for me. But um, wow. having said that, it's just kind of like why can't we get why can't we get him for just even if you told me now, hey, you're only going to get back what you paid for him. Mm. I would. I would take yeah. it. And I don't know why we can't get that for a guy who scored. What was it, Mark? Like he scored like 15 goals last season, 17 goals, something like that in all competitions. Twice. Including twice Champions League games or something. What was that? Probably twice what Richarlison scored, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's what's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Is that if we were trying to sell now again, different players, different 
everything. Right. But yeah, like it's it really is. This is what really I mean. Uh, you no, know, it will play it will play a relatively small part because the bottom line is is that stats and data is what it comes down to, obviously. But when you look outside, if you take it off the pitch. You know, it's uh, and that's also comes down to agents as well. Obviously, that's what their agents are doing for them. You know, on the on, on the on what's the downtime, if you like, from their profession. But um, that will include like endorsements. You know, whether it's mm. you know whether that's sponsorship or you know or working alongside like charity and that type of stuff as well. There's a there's a whole persona to be managed as well as the data. You know, and the and the wider PR. That but I do think that as a club we struggle with that kind of thing. Um, I think that I think that's a weakness across the board. Like I said, I appreciate it plays a small part, but it's still important, um, and I th- and I yeah. do think it hinders us. So again, you know, that's why the club in- image as well. You know, if you're looking for, for, we need to bring in, like I said, magic for me. We need to bring in, you know, t- a top class player. And you know, if you look at the club and it looks like a monumental shit storm. Because it turns out, oh, actually, yeah, it looks as if like he's not in favour with Carlo, or and I do mean Carlo looking at last season, or you know, he's, he's not massive, not massively focused on bringing up talent from the academy, you know, or whatever it is. If you come in as a young player, you know, with mm-hmm. with uh, potential like that, it's got it. The, the PR's got to fit as well, um, and, and I think it is something that we struggle with. So, at the minute. I think the club is, is bolstered with, um, I've got to applaud, I think the multicoloured shirt that has literally sold out in, I think, what yeah. minutes um, that they'll be wearing during warm-up, am I right, at the weekend? And then the women are actually wearing it as well at the weekend for their for their fixture as well, Everton Women, which is incredible. So we're being bolstered, you know, with, with good news, with good PR. We've also put a spade in the ground this week, I think it was, or end of last week. You know, a brand mm-hmm. more, which is fantastic. It's all good press. It's moving us forward. It's building a bit of momentum for the beginning of the season. And now, for me, I'm just going to sit back and let it unfold. I am done with, like, tearing my hair out. Never mind. Right. Transplants. I'm just, I'm done with all of the, the to and fro in. We've got to be able to see what Rafa can do with what we've got. And and now it's people calling for Brands' head as well. And I'm just, yeah, the yeah. drama is absolutely draining me. I want to see the, I want to hear the roar of Goodison and I want to see the lads on the pitch come the weekend. Mark, I, I, want, I want your thoughts now, but one thing I will add to what Kay just said is that it's amazing we've gotten this far into the conversation and really none of the the angst and none of the real concern like it's it's almost like we've moved on from the rafa part of this equation <laughs> even though we all you know what i mean like we all, well it's like we all know that and matt has predict you know matt jones predicted and pro- he's usually right about stuff like this that you know a few losses on the bounce and then it definitely will turn our attention mm-hmm. to rafa more but but there, there is this sense, and maybe this is part of the PR and the videos they released until they came back from Florida and then didn't release any photos or videos mm-hmm. for over a week, and the social media accounts all went quiet. It was really bizarre. Um, but it does feel sort of like he's the least of our concerns. Like You feel like he'll get the most that he probably can out of this squad. Uh, but I, I fear that what we're about to see is that it's not the – even though I definitely think Carlo was a very underwhelming – more underwhelming as a, a yeah. management mm-hmm. manager or a manager of players than I expected. I, I don't worry about – I think any of 20 competent guys can come in here and be the manager. I'm just concerned about the squad, and I, I don't – our inability to add to it is tied directly to our inability to sell players that should – even with personality quirks, 
be sellable. Realistically, <laughs> so, the club, in terms of its PR and cons, could have actually pulled an absolute blinder there because there was so much kickoff over Rafa coming in. That could have been perfectly managed in the fact that we're no longer talking about Rafa. It's, it's only it's we're still pre-season. It's only been a few weeks, realistically, yeah. and yet the eyes have been on Richarlison because of the Olympics. Then, like, and yet people notice straight away that post Orlando, that you like you said, the, the social media dropped off, and everyone's like, "Well, what's going on?" And because it ge- it generates that discourse, it generates more conversation that takes the heat off the fact that there's somebody else in the driving seat now. And instead of us like constantly co- talking about ju- you know judging him, and you know there was all the chat about, "Oh, great, well." Uh, on- everything's fine until the derby happens and then if it goes to shit oh well that's because you know he's, he's really on their side and all this bollocks as far as i'm concerned mm. they could have actually pulled a blinder in how they've they've actually managed that so that we're no longer talking about it and that's no longer the focus so therefore does it give him a bit of a step up because he's been left to actually get on with it is that because we can't pay attention to any one subject for more than you know, a few days? <laughs> I don't know, Mark. What what do you? What's your what's your feeling? I mean, I called it resignation. What do you call it? I I just think that we could shorten the bun to match the sausage level without compromising the <laughs> overall product. I think I'm not I'm not going to reflect on on what's lost in that situation. But to your point, Rob, um, I. I am struggling to remember a time where the breaking news wasn't Everton are receiving loan <laughs> opportunities from Moyes Keane, but are more keen on a permanent transfer away. Fuck, I'm I'm ready to just loan the guy out now, just just so that we don't have to read that anymore. And again, to your point, Rob, and I think it's a fantastic one that you raise, is that if he played for Liverpool he'd have been sold for 50 million <laughs> early on. Yeah. And that 100%. I, I, that's all. They, they sold, they've sold such crap to Southampton for more than what, for more than that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's insane. I think, I think it's the Jordan Ibe syndrome, um, but uh-huh. their ability to get really substantial fees for properly miserable footballers is Probably their crowning achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, as you rightly said, Moise Keane is not some donkey who couldn't hit the mm-hmm. yeah. a barn. I was like, he, he, he's proved himself to be a capable striker at top level uh, and, and yeah. arguably arguably needs to be at that top level to be relevant. It, we, we almost, we ask him to be this focal figure of a team who is not necessarily excelling at anything. And that's potentially why he struggles. And and yet, most strikers in the world would perform if you stick Angel Di Maria on one mm-hmm. side and, and Neymar on the other. And I do get that. But it's one thing saying that and one thing doing it. And he's proven that he is able to do that. I, I yeah. appreciate that that Paris Saint-Germain potentially have the, the, the power to go out and buy players who are a little bit better than Moise <laughs> Keane. Yeah, on that uh, but but you, you would expect that the queue of clubs is is waiting very close be, behind them and and potentially you know I think with everything um, both both sporting and financial that is going on it into Milan at the moment I think that that is probably one avenue that that will be explored by by both Moyes Keane and Inter Milan in in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. but I think the the thing that doesn't worry me at the moment is the supposed strengthening of teams around us 
And I, hmm. I, I get why that does put fear into people because it is, it's horrible when you see Aston Villa going and spending loads of money <laughs> on what players who we think Everton should be muscling people out of the way and signing. We, we've essentially been that club for transfer windows on end. And um, when you, when you lose that kind of status in the window, it's, it, it is horrible because your your instinct tells you that everyone around you is progressing while you are standing still. And that, that may well be the case, but if, if, if anyone thought that that was an absolute certainty, then I'd refer you to Everton because here we are. And, and we, we have on paper been doing that for so long. So I appreciate that some of these moves will come off for Aston Villa and for Leicester, who I think have done really good business, business as well. But I think that I'm, I'm happy to wait for half a season, potentially a season, before I figure out whether we've been left behind in that sense. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I think that we should be more active and, and we all know that the areas of the pitch where where that should happen. But probably probably the one area that concerns me is that I've got no, no intel or insight into this, but this feels like there's a, there's a tangible sense of disconnect between yes, the fans because we we are all part of that. But when you've got players, yeah, you know, potentially isolating from COVID earlier in the summer, or being at the Euros, being at the Olympics, whatever it may be, it all feels incredibly fractured. Where are we now? Three days away from the start of the season, mm. and it, it feels as though yeah, this could obviously go one of two ways. If Everton get four or five decent results at the start of the season, then all of that trepidation that we feel now goes very quickly out the window because football, and, and that's mm-hmm. what it is. But I, I, I've been apathetic in the past, Rob. That That's a word that you used earlier on. I don't feel apathy towards this team at the moment because I'm probably a little bit too concerned to be apathetic. When Carlo, yeah. Ancelotti, hey. was the manager, when Carlo Ancelotti was the manager and things start to go wrong, there is an inherent level of confidence that things will pick up, mm. uh, and, and I think this is this is the reason why the hostility will grow quickly if Benitez comes across a series of bad results. Is that people will be scared, and and that's just the nature of being one of those teams who everyone thinks at this stage of the season could very quickly decline as opposed to going the opposite way. Um, mm. it, it's probably it, it's probably a little bit too actively upsetting to be <laughs> called at the moment. Um, and you, you know what, regardless of what they are, you, you can't ignore the series of disasters that has culminated in our pre-season being at the stage that it's at now. And um, I wish we had like a more a month more. Like I wish that this like I wish the season just if they're going to have this asinine international break three weeks into the you know after the third game was it after the third game right yeah why don't just start this, you know after after a Euros and a, and a and a Copa America and an Olympics why not just start the season in September yeah I I mean I know that that sounds novel but I'm just kind of like the season part of the problem with all this that you're describing this disjointed thing is that the off season or the closed season as Patty likes to correct me on saying which whatever uh is so short like there is no there's no there's not enough downtime for these players there's not enough downtime um, for the staff (laughs) there's not enough time yeah not enough downtime for the staff there's not enough there's not an opportunity to just breathe and look you could leave the you know you could you could leave the the window where it is 
now, like the deadline where it is now, start the season after it and you've got it completed before. And then I think everyone, if, if there was another month to go right now, I think everyone would be a little more like they'd still be a little angsty, but you'd start to feel like, you know, look, uh, players are resting. I can maybe even I as a fan can take can disconnect from this a little more. I, I do not even feel because of Copa America and because of the Euros and, and, and Richarlison and just hoping he didn't get injured at the <laughs> yeah. Olympics. Like. I have not had any real mental break from Everton this season, uh, you know, during this, during the summer. And I, I especially when, once Carlo left, it just, mm-hmm. you know, we went from thinking we'd have a relatively whatever summer to having another, here comes Everton kind of summer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, okay. So in that well, vein, just on, on the subject of sort of transfers, I know you, you briefly touched on, on the financial elements of it. Okay. Do you think that the, the fact that we are in a summer where, Inter Milan and Barcelona are having, and I, I assume other clubs could be thrown into this, but they're they're the high profile ones. The, the the fact that they're having such financial issues, do you think that's preventing Everton from having a potentially bolder transfer window? And when I say bold, it's not it's not beyond the realm of thinking that Everton would have gone out and signed Dwight McNeil and Denzel Dumfries in the first couple of weeks of the season on the assumption that Moyes Keane leaves later on. And if that wasn't to happen, then you then start scrambling around for how do we make this money up? And do you know what? That that, that potentially ends in someone like Richarlison leaving. Mm. Uh, but And I'm not saying that that's the right way to go about it, but it is the more adventurous way to go about mm-hmm. it. Do you, do you think that a team like, obviously, the issues that Inter Milan have had where they've had to have a, an almost fire sale hmm. is Marcel Bands trying to fire guard us from from being in that situation, uh, and is that the right thing to do? Or I, it's, I, I appreciate sorry. that none of us have got the none of us hmm. have got the books in front of us for the club, but I, with, with that being so high profile this summer, I, I do feel that that leads to to hesitation from a club like ours. Who, if you weren't an Everton fan and you were looking at this league table at a club who are potentially the next to be in this discussion of financial turmoil. We'd probably be up there lashing money at Bramley Moore and terrible footballers because that's all we've done for the last few seasons. And I I do think that that probably comes into the thinking of it. Yeah, like we've acknowledged, I think we were even talking about this in the middle of last season, what we thought the upcoming window would look like in this post, hopefully post. I mean, we're still kind of in the middle of it in some ways, but we're we're definitely in the f- a little further through it. But in a post-COVID season, if you will, economy, I think that most people, and I think we said basically the same thing that that there would be um, there would be a lot of the the richest of the rich clubs probably still selling big players, which is what you're, you're seeing right now. Um, But that overall, I I thought it would be more of a, um, you know, a buyer's market in terms of if you wanted someone, you, you probably could get them for a relatively decent fee because there are a lot of clubs that have lost a lot of money during all this that are going to need to just, you know, sell some. I, I, I did, again, I'm, I'm struggling with it because my my expectation and my understanding of Everton in terms of how they've operated from a transfer perspective is is certainly an acknowledgement that spending money in and of itself without you know is not 
a solution without there being a greater plan and a you know a greater infrastructure at the club to set those investments those players up mm-hmm. for more success right so um I, I understand all that i think where i am perturbed is that everything you just described about this financial climate and all of these things in regards to to our clubs, to Everton's specific financial situation. These are not things that we just found out about a month mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. These are things that they've known for a long yeah. time. They've had time to plan this. Um, if you're going to say to me, well, you know, we needed to wait till this summer to sell Moise Keen, I'd say, okay. Um, then you should have had a plan for what that negotiation was going to look like and you should have found a way to do it. Now, things can change. But but my, my point is, is that even if you – you don't want to be in a position where your whole plan is centered around this one transaction being successful because really you should not be in a position to where your whole summer budget yeah. – and again, I'm, I'm not – I'm not accounting nerd on, uh, you know, football accounting nerd on Twitter. So whatever, you know, fucking swerve me with that shit. But what I can tell you is that it feels like from what everything we read, you know, I read smart people who write about this stuff, uh, especially reading a lot of the stuff that Patty and Greg have written in the athletic, but also, um, you know, just also in general, people kind of discussing the broader financial implications of everything. Like, it feels like we put all our eggs into the basket of selling Moise Keen. And if we could sell him, we'd have enough funds to do certain things. The problem is not that the problem. Yes. Is that we can't sell Moise Keen. Sure. But the broader problem is that we, we made such poor investments previously and therefore having trouble offloading certain players for whatever reason. And it goes back to Kay, what you said about, you know, do we as a club do it Mm -hmm. enough to, put a positive spin and spotlight and image massaging on our players. You know, I don't know that, but what I do know is that we have put ourselves in a position where we have such little wiggle room that it was going to, you know, you know how people joked before uh, it was like a gallows humor of one in one out, you know, we have to buy to sell or sell to buy or whatever. Well, now that's actually here and it's actually here in such a way that it feels like they were banking on getting this deal done and they haven't been able to. And the fact that this one deal not being made has stopped up our ability to spend. And again, not spend exorbitantly, which is the problem. We don't, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that uh, look, um, sorry, I. You guys can call me whatever. I don't give a shit. I am here to throw all of your sacred cows into the fucking meat grinder. Okay, but if you're, but but the optics. So, Kate, your point about the PR stuff. You've got a collection of fans who are watching this club have the same core holes in their squad. Not for one yeah. season, not for two, but three, four seasons. Not address it, and then what does the club do this summer in the midst of all of Carlo leaving, appointing an unpopular manager, what have you? They decided to they decide to take some of the heat off with the super fans by being like, let's record a video of us t- throwing an extra year contract at Seamus mm-hmm. Coleman. Like, like that is that is what is so frustrating is that you know. It's not about Seamus Coleman in particular. He is a symptom, and the fact that he is still the first choice right back at his age, at his at this stage of the career, is symptomatic of a broader 
structural issue at Everton that have put us in a position where we are going four years now without having signed a, a permanent replacement right back. And then the ability for us to just sign even a basic attacking forward that, you know, again, everyone wants the Marcel Brands bargain bin, you know, find him in the Belgian league and he's 20. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, I'm all for that, but we can't even spend 3 million or 5 million right now. We had to literally get Bernard off the books to afford Damari Gray at what I still think was a criminally low rate. Like cr- credit to Marcel Brands for Damari Gray because I don't even know how he's going to play this season. And I guarantee 1.7 <laughs> million is still a bargain because yeah. he just has basic traits that even if he's like 70% of the player Theo Walcott was, 1.7 million is nothing, right? But the fact that we're in that kind of position speaks to the financial mismanagement at the club. And you can blame it all on the players, and they do carry some of the responsibility, I guess. But we also have, what, five five center halves at this club? Um, but we only have, you know, two recognized strikers and really it's one and Richarlison is a striker on certain days and, you know, Moise Keane doesn't want to be here. And, and we haven't even talked about all the, the weird Instagram drama of the last few days, well, you know, like it's, yeah. you've got all the content. So my, my point is, is that the environment, the culture that I, the, the culture and environmental change that I was sold on with Marcel Brands when he first came in. I'm not saying everything is all his fault, but I am because I'm not, again, we talked about this ad nauseum. We don't know what he can and can't Mm do. We don't know what remit he actually has. And the club likes it that way. The club does not want anyone to know who really makes all those decisions so that the blame can be spread around to whomever is the target that day. But the bottom line is, is that things that I hoped would change when we appointed a director of football have not changed uh, in some ways. And, and, and so we're, we're in this situation where it's not about Marka spending spree. Uh, and, and I recognize the economic factors, but you do see clubs around us. And again, Aston Villa, whatever, you know, you can say that they're selling Grealish and then investing that money back in other players, whatever. But even just the ability, like I pointed this out earlier, Lester sold uh, Lester had Fafana get had that freak injury like a week ago. Their center half, who I think is you know a really good player, and a week later they they're about to close the deal for Vestergaard from Southampton. Now again, I don't think Vestergaard's that good. I don't. I think, but but it's not about the player or that situation. It's more about just this idea that wow, we have suffered a setback. We've got a hole. We need to go fill it. So it took them a, a whole week yeah. to do it. We can do it in four years. That's the stuff that scares me. Guys. It's not about particular players. It is about a consistent inability. Like, let's remember the summer where Marcel Brands didn't sign a center half, and we were, oh stuck, yeah, you know, hoping to God these guys would stay fit. Like, this is the this is the weird place that we're in, and I just don't know how we get out of it unless we begin to have real fortune selling players. And you know, a lot of people are like, "Hey, something will happen before the window ends," but. Why should I be that confident about it? Talk about talk about mismanagement, whether it's brands, whether it's PR, whichever way you want to look at it. I suppose it's wider communications. The only person who's who's fully aware and and having to deal with it on a daily basis that the fact that Moise Keane is stopping us moving forward is Moise Keane. 
So, you know, in terms of a, of a PR campaign and managing culture, like you've said, I, that's a massive one for me. I, I think that's so important and more so when it comes around to transfer. You know, like I said, attracting top talent, you've got to look like so, you, it's so, so basic. It's like when you go for a job, you don't want to go to work somewhere where everyone moans about having to work there, whether you're on 100 grand or, or not. It doesn't really matter 100 grand a week or not. If it looks like a wicked place with an awesome culture and they practice what they preach, the people's club, you know, and look after yeah. their family, etc. Whoever, you know, whoever that is, whether it's players, it's staff, it's the fan base, etc. Um, you know, that universal um experience that, you know, that well, rather that experience should be universal. So, like you've said, Rob, you know, having traveled thousands of miles, you know, dedicated as a fan to come over to to experience Goodison. That couldn't be any further away from the fan experience if you live down the road, you know, and you literally go every week, etc. And effort, more effort should be made to make that universal. I, I genuinely, and like we said, it because it's not like he's shite. Imagine being Moyes Keane and going into work every day, you know, and because you've got to feel that weight on your shoulders. It's like when you piss the manager off at work, you know, and you know you've got to go in, or it's like when you know you're leaving when you've given a month's notice at work and you've got to work that notice. Oh, yeah. God, it is so painful. It doesn't yeah. matter what job you do, yeah. but imagine if you're on his wages and, you know, clearly not the best of friends with, you know, with some of the hierarchy. That's got to be mm -hmm. a pisser right. of, a, of a day at work, that. More so, yeah, yeah. So and by the way, Moise Keane is at fault for a lot of this, too. Yeah. I mean, he look, he's... Yeah. It, but but look, forget about fault. Mm -hmm. it, it hasn't worked yeah. out. It, but but here's the thing. It worked out at PSG for him. It worked out to a large degree at Juventus for him. He's young. He's sellable by any other club. Like, why can't we sell him? Why can't we, you know, for instance, decide between Branthwaite, Holgate, and Keane and sell one of them? Or, hell, you, you know, I love Yerry Mina, but if you if you told me, look, we got to sell Yerry Mina to raise funds and we're going to spend on other things, I'd be like, well, it sucks, but, you know, we have five center halves. We can't afford to have five center halves, you know, senior center halves in this yeah. squad. Like, these are all things that just – are about basic competency. And I should caveat all this by saying that, you know, they've got till the end of the month <laughs> to get some things going and, and it might, but having to live, it feels like living paycheck to paycheck right now. Mm. If that, yeah. if, if that is a And despite the fact that analogy, they are hell of a paycheck, you know what I mean? That's not just like a, Oh, right. I'll yeah. count my pennies at the end of the month. You uh, you've got to still feel the weight, you know, of, of yeah. those, of those situations, surely. It, it arguably hangs over you a little bit more so because of the, the sorts of numbers involved. And yet, yeah. not, none of us are saying what a hardship that is. But I think the, the most obvious thing for me in this is that Marcel Brands definitely hacked Moise Keane's Instagram and deleted all of his Everton <laughs> photos. Just, hey, don't tell anyone just, you were here. <laughs> Hey, Mark, what, what do you make of – I want your quick take on this. What do you make of – there's two. Moise Keane, obviously, he deleted all his Everton content, yeah. which he yeah. – look, he 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 probably is at the point where he feels desperate enough to be like, I'm just go – I'm going scorched earth. Yeah. It's the only way that they'll really get going to get Burn me out of bridges, here. Hey. Baby. Then he, well, then he does the story with the particular font that I guess matches one of his PSG uniforms that says – Hopefully back, back soon, right? Soon. Yeah, yeah. Back, 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 yeah, back soon, whatever, which I don't think was referring to us given the context <laughs> of him deleting all his photos. Yeah. And then you have the 
other weird end of the spectrum with the Tom Davis to Newcastle rumors of him posting this just it felt like it felt like the um I know it was Socrates, so it's like super say. classy and academic, but it felt very much like this is the sort of like teen angsty poetry I probably wrote I just, when I was oh, like thirteen. I, I decided that I couldn't connections at all, you know. So the yeah. lad reads fucking out. No, okay. Um, I know, like you, you can be dismissive of it if you want. It may mean nothing, but the problem is, is that we have so little to go on right now that we're looking for things and places. And and again, I do find that particular. If you read that, if you start reading that enough times, it's sort of like, huh, that's um, a very odd thing to just randomly decide today to post on there. But whatever, Kate, you're right. It's probably nothing, but that's <laughs> the point. I'm getting really nervous. <laughs> We're so fucking thirsty right now for anything that, and, and to the point, this speaks to that larger issue of, you know, part of the issue with all that stuff you talk about in terms of what you're essentially describing is branding. The club brands itself really well in some areas, but they, they keep such a tight leash on the players and access and basic transparency about injuries and things that really shouldn't be such you know cia level secrets right that it creates kind of this cold disconnect between the club and the fans and the players and the fans and the only and the players that do break through that are the ones that go super heavy on social media and engage like richarlison or you know um god and it's hard oh (laughs) yeah like but but like Luca like Luca Dean is on Twitter and Instagram all oh, the time. Instagram Gary Mina is constantly yeah. on Instagram. Like Gary Mina's dog has an Instagram. Like <laughs> weird <laughs> shit like that. Like I, I I appreciate like it's not a it's not a coincidence that some players <laughs> fans feel feel more connected to because of those things. But you're right, the club does nothing to help facilitate no. some of those things, and then I think it leads to a broader disconnect. And so then we are of course searching the tea leaves of Instagram stories and font choices to decide whether this means something or it means nothing at all. Hey, so Rob, do you run Yeri Mina's dog's Instagram <laughs> Oh, if Mark, let me just tell you something. And, oh, and I believe your dog's name is like uh, Matanita or something like that. And it's this total, it's this total fucking Paris Hilton dog. Oh my God. Dog. Rob, I have a question for you. To his wife. To the hundred, how many of Yeri Mina's dog's posts have you zoomed in on? <laughs> zoomed in on? No, I don't know that I've zoomed in on. That sounds like a creepy question, but uh, no. Um, but no, my, my, uh, my point is just that uh, – well, to answer your first question, Mark, though, like if I could quit my job and just run Yeri Mina's dog's account for the same amount of money I make today, I would do it in a heartbeat and I wouldn't care if you played at Everton wow. or not. Like I would just keep doing it. It would be awesome. Like you want me to just take photos of your dog a few times a week? Fuck yeah. I'll, write, I'll even write quippy quippy, quippy quotes that, that are coming from the dog and we can translate them into Spanish oh, too. It'll God. be great. Um, wow. On that note, guys, uh, we've just about run out of time <laughs> for this week. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I said we weren't going to get negative. But God, it got negative, didn't it? I, I didn't look. It, I don't know. I, I think am that's still. Fair. I, I think everything we said was fair, and and I'll even go a step further. And Mark, you and I talked about this before because Mark really helped me when I was at my most. Uh, despondent uh, ahead of of Rafa being appointed. I think Mark made the point that like 
you know, like, look, this is just who we are. And, and it's just, this is just how it is. And we're not all guaranteed or, you know, we don't all have this birthright to root for a, a club or to support a club that wins a lot of stuff. You know, our, our grant, you know, your, your, your parents and grandparents back in the day, they, they got it. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes is just how it is. Sometimes That's they right. get the good stuff when it comes to sports and you know what you get, uh, you have better healthcare this time, you know, at this point in history than they did. Uh, your teeth might be better. Your, your, uh, skin might be better. Like, you know, your ability to, uh, order things and have Amazon deliver it within 24 hours. They didn't have that back then. All they had was the best football team in Europe. There's give and take in life guys. So I, I think that you have to focus on the fact that a, Finally, we, we, I say we as a collective, and hopefully this is me later this year, like later this season, but we get to get back to Goodison. Yeah. That's a good thing no matter what because it's all about us as a family and a community. And so, yeah, sometimes that family ha- has gatherings that make you a little crazy, but they're still your family, and we're all still a family, and we're going to get through this together like we get through everything else. So I figure if you just keep your expectations less about – don't worry. I think if there is something liberating about going to this season – you know, again, I don't want to call it apathy because I think Mark's right. It's not apathy. But if you're just kind of OK with the fact that Everton is going to be Everton and there's nothing you can do about it yeah. and it'll be nice to be back at the park. And if something good happens every once in a while, because happiness is not a constant state, it is moments. <laughs> hey, we'll win a game we shouldn't win at Goodison. We'll win a game on the road we probably shouldn't win. And of course, We'll lose to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll lose to some crap <laughs> yeah. side that we shouldn't. Yeah, Brentford, you know, I, thank God we're not playing him in week one. I mean, that's that's Everton. That's life. And, uh, you know, we're going to make it. And uh, it'll be it'll all be OK. All right. With that, guys, uh, I've got to jump. Thanks to Mark, as always. Well, oh, Mark, you got it's, it's really we can't finish. We can't finish. Uh Kate, I'm really sorry to do this late on. Uh, me and Rob are doing a quick research project. Oh, um, Kate, do you wash your legs in the shower? Oh, my God. Do you, <laughs> I have do you, four, uh, four inches of leg, of course. I have to wash my legs in the shower. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're on the naughty list. Kate, back to you. 44 inches of leg. That's the the... <laughs> What a what a way to describe it. Uh, yeah, yes, Kate. Yes, Kate washes herself. I wash this. Right, I'm, I'm just writing the show title down. Oh, Kate, I just want to tell you. Kate, I just want to tell you. I want to tell you, Kate, that I admire the women of of your part of the world now more, knowing that you've had to survive in a dating pool with dudes whose whose idea of competent hygiene is that. I don't know. Rapidly. The water will just kind of basically just take care of it on its own. Well, you know, like that's not how washing works. It's a you know? matter that's, with that's, you people. Like, just take wash yourselves, you filthy animals. All of <laughs> There's you. There's a PR line for you. That's the whole campaign. Wash yourself. <laughs> I love. Look, you guys know the people of Liverpool, the city of Liverpool. I love. It's a second home to me. I even say when I get there, I'm home. I, you know, mm-hmm. you know that. Clean yourself. Sort yourselves. Okay. Yes. Clean yourselves, you <laughs> animals. And with that, uh, we are done for this week on Kickabout. Uh, we'll have po- a post match coming up this weekend. We'll have mailbag. We'll have all the usual shows. We'll be back next week. Uh, I don't know if I'll be on post match, but uh, I hope for those of you who are getting back to Goodison this weekend, I'm incredibly jealous. I hope you have 
a great time. You've certainly earned it. And let's let's all hope that uh, those uh, those tickets get sorted so that you don't have to get in line tonight uh, before Saturday's game. Uh, for Kate Riley James and my co-host Mark Mosey, I'm Rob Vera. We will see you guys next week for more Kickabout. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.